All right, good morning. We're going to start our second week, week two of our new members class. Uh, let's open with a word of prayer. Let us pray. Praise Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for the opportunity to study Your Word. And Father, as we look into the, the things that we need to do to be a faithful servant in Your work here in Your church, Lord, we just ask You right now in these new members as they come forward that they, they make a commitment, uh, uh, dedicate themselves, and serve You. Lord, we know that everything we do, we do it for, for Your honor and Your glory to grow stronger for You. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Last week, I, you know, last Sunday, I asked you in the first week's class to identify your go-to verse. So anybody want to share with us your go-to verse? Come on, people. Okay, Mr. Matt. Oh, I, I like uh, John 3.30, which says, He must increase, but I must decrease. I like it because it's short. <laughs> I can remember it. And I, 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 like, um, I like what it says as well. Because it says in everything, like in John's talking and they're trying to notify him, and he says, but in everything, he must increase and I must decrease. Okay. So now, uh, in that verse, now, how would that help you to be a better Christian? Well, realizing that in everything I do, I need to... Uh, it needs to be more of God working through me and less of me trying to work in myself. Okay, great. Anybody else? Go to verse. Well, I like the Philippians 4.13. Okay. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. All right. And that, that's, a, that's a popular one. A lot of people like that verse. Anybody else? Why, why do, let me ask you, how can that make you a better Christian, Miss Barbara? It, it um, increases your faith, I think. I mean, okay. All right. Anyone else? Anyone else? Oh, y'all are quite crowd today. Y'all don't have any good favorite verses. Okay. All right. That's good. All right. Anyone else? All right. Mark, what's your go-to verse? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Good job. And what was the what was the address of that? Romans chapter six, verse twenty-three. Romans six twenty-three. Good job, Mark. Good job. Okay, so we talked about the go-to verse is important that we have. You know, when we talk to people, you know, we always have that verse that we can go to that that kind of gives us confidence in who we are in Christ. So as a believer, that's important for us to have. Also, now we talked a little bit about testimonies. You know, I ask you to write your testimony, uh, and I'm not going to ask you to share it this morning, but I did have a video that I wanted to share with you on how to prepare your testimony. A two-minute testimony. God has given you a powerful tool to share Christ, and it is something no one can deny. What is it? It's your testimony. A testimony is your story about your encounter with Jesus. When you share your story, it gives people hope that God can do the same for them. To begin, ask yourself this question. Why do I love Jesus? What has Jesus done for me that no one else could do? Answer that question in two minutes and that is your testimony. It's all about your encounter with Jesus. Now here's how to prepare it. 
starts with a great introduction. This is one sentence that captures everyone's attention. Next, talk about your life before your encounter with Jesus. Mention one or two sins that God convicted you of and tell how you realized of your need to repent. Then explain what happened during your encounter with God. Explain how you talked to God and how you repented and gave your life to Christ. Now you can share what happened after you encountered God. Explain how Jesus changed your life, showing the contrast to how you were before. For example, if you struggled with hatred, tell how Jesus helped you to forgive. In your conclusion, declare in a single sentence something that will challenge your listeners. For example, Jesus radically changed my life and I know he can change your life too. Here are a few tips for you to remember. Limit your story to two minutes. Talk about Jesus, not just God, and share your story with passion and sincerity. And there you have it. Now, prepare it, practice it, and proclaim it. All right, simple, simple, right? Well, I ain't gonna close this out, I guess, somehow. Simple idea behind setting up your testimony. So it's important to be, uh, you know, to, to share your, your, your message. Now, two minutes to some people is a very long time especially when you're standing in front of someone speaking and talking and stuff like that. You know, it gets a little little difficult. So, you know, but the idea is to prepare it, practice it, and proclaim it. So once you prepare it, write it down, get it going. Think about your testimony when you first found Jesus. You know, when I first got saved, one of the first things that I, I didn't really think was, you know, but it, it was important, is the day of your salvation. I really thought, you know, that, that was just another day. Well, no, that's the day you were reborn. That's the, that should be one of the most important days of your life. And uh, I, w I went all the way back to the church I got saved in and contacted them. This has been just a couple of years back here lately to find out when I got saved. Because I didn't know the exact, I knew where I got saved, but I didn't know the date. So if you can find the date of your salvation, write it down and keep it. Because that's an important time in your life. When you're sharing your testimony, you could give the exact date. I got saved April the 1st, 1966 at the First United Methodist Church. And, you know, that's to me, it, it is important to have that date so you can start sharing your testimony. Make that part of your personal story. So you got to have things like that and add it in and, you know, be, be specific and drive the point home because it's important uh, in your testimony. So today, uh, what does it mean? We're going to be looking at what does it mean to be a member of a church? What does it mean to be a member of a church? Uh, you know, and, and that's important for all of us to think about, uh, you know, and so as we look at the text here, uh, we see church membership in terms of member, ministry, and missionary. Got those three terms, ministry, uh, member, ministry, and missionary. The three M's is very important. Here we begin to see membership as something beyond our own individual beliefs and convictions and moves into the area of corporate growth and responsibility. Each one of our church members 
functions in these areas to engage the growth in life of a local body of believers. Why is it important for us to engage in, and, and we use that word engage, but connect. Why is it important for the body to come together? Anybody have any idea why it's important for the body to come together? And work as one? Why is it important? Because if we're all together with the same vision for God, it's better in numbers. I mean, you can do more work than a single person. So, so whenever everything comes together as one body and we begin to move together, it makes it so much easier. We, we present the focus of the church. But when we've got people going in every direction, what happens then? Chaos. It's chaos. Does Jesus have work in chaos? He's he's a God of what? Order. What? He's a God of what? Order. Order. He's a God of order. So it's very important for the church to have the vision. Does it mean that you don't have your own opinion? Absolutely not. You should voice. You should be able to to look at what you think. But but as a corporate. It has to come together as one body. So members, as a person who covets together with other Christians to vocally and financially support the church. So basically, a new member comes into the church. they got to understand they, they have a voice. They have a voice. But they also have the financial needs also. So together, we bring it together as a member, a person who covets. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about covet right here quickly here. Deeply committed connectiveness to one another to develop close personal ties to another member and commit to support them and the leadership in fulfilling the vision of the church. So when we take a covenant, when we agree with one another as a covenant church, we put it together to serve each other. So, uh, you know, it's important to be able to covenant with each other. Now, if we're at odds with each other, can we covet with one another? We can can what? <laughs> not as well. Okay. No, you can't. no, not as well. You know, so a good old machine, we need to covet together. We have to be like mind. And how's the best way to be like mind? It's called what? Let him do what to your mind? Trans transform your mind. Transform your mind. That we're all in the same mindset. Coveting one another. When we come together, we should come together in covenant, deeply committed connectivityness to one another. You know, there's just, there's just sometimes, man, man, it gets tough in churches to like everybody, doesn't it? I tell you, it is hard sometimes. But you know something? We have to learn to love one another. Uh, I might not like everything you say or do, but I still love you in the name of the Lord. You might not like everything I do, but we still have to love one another in the name of the Lord. So it's very important to understand. And, you know, because one of the biggest problems in churches today uh, as being a member of a church is, is little cliques and groups that get off to themselves and begin to say, well, we can do it this way or we can begin to do it that way. I think this is the best way to do it. What's the best way to do? God's way. God's way. Bring it in, set it down, and let's talk about it. And, and uh, I know I, I use my illustration all the time about the, uh, the old the deacon up in uh, the north Florida, north Tech, Georgia, uh, north Georgia uh, church. He came in, his dad, his dad and his grandfather and his father before them all attended the same church. 
They, they were there all their life. Their father and them helped build this church. And they, his great-great-grandfather planted an oak tree in the front. Several years later, he's now a deacon, one of the head deacons of the church. And they decided it's time for an expansion of the church. And the only way they can expand the church is to cut down that oak tree that was in the front of their church, which was huge by this time. They had to cut it down. He fought in the business meeting. He said, no way. My great-grandfather planted that tree there. This is our tree. This is where we're going. Well, the church took a vote. The only way that we're going to be expanding is take that tree out. And everybody in the church voted yes, except for him. He voted no. That Saturday morning, a group of the men of the church were going to get together and start trimming this tree down to get ready to have it removed. He was the very first one up with a chainsaw and his axe. And one of the other guys says, we thought you didn't want this tree removed. He says, I don't. He said, but my church does. And I agree with my church. So it's important for us to have that same type of mentality. We might not always agree together, but as church members, we need to come together. That's where we come together in the name of the Lord. we got to covet deeply. Vocal support of the church to support and protect the missions of the local church through participation in business meetings and committees and by encouraging other members to lockstep and participate in the life of the vision of the church. Well, we have a schedule of business meetings in our church where we used to. Well, we had to quit doing them because nobody ever showed up. It was only like two people that would show up for a business meeting. According to the forum of the church, we can't vote on anything. So why even have the business meeting? So we went to doing it once a year. So we try to have one in October, and then that way we can have our business and do what we got to do for the entire year, which makes it a lot easier. A lot of people don't like to come to the business meetings, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, and, and to, you know, a lot of times it gets out of control. But we got to understand that we need to have business meetings. So according to our Constitution, we're supposed to be having a business meeting at least once a month. But there again, we got to have a forum to have a business meeting. So if the people don't stay and stay apart and do a part of the, and it's actually supposed to be on a Wednesday night, by the way, but I don't want to do it on Wednesday night, so we do it Sunday right after church. But we might just have to look at what we're going to do for our business meetings as we go forward. Financial supporting of the church to support and protect the missions of the local church by giving financially to the local church. This is done through regular giving into the general budget, giving to meet the financial needs of those in our congregation and community in times of financial difficulty and financial supporting of global missions through the designation of mission organizations. Like I said, we are Southern Baptists. We have over 4,400 uh, uh, missionaries out across the countries where we support the Baptists with our finances. So it's important to know we are supporting foreign missions. But what about our missions right here in our own community? We need to have goals to set up to be able to outreach to others. And it comes from this body of believers. There's no magical fund that will say, hey, we're going to go and do this. And all of a sudden the money appears. We have to have that set aside. It has to be ready. Now, we got a money tree out back, uh, but it hasn't been bearing any fruit lately. You know, so we have to be careful with our financial situations, but we have to do this. This is what we've called to do to minister out into the congregation. So a ministry, we talked a little bit about membership. Now ministry, someone who works to meet the needs of the congregation, supports 
the leadership and unity of the church, you are all called, listen to me, you are all called to be ministers. The leadership of this church is designed and commissioned to teach and train you to do the work of ministry. Ephesians 4.11. Uh, Miss Barber, would you look that up for me? Ephesians 4.11. Ministry. Now listen, we're all called to be in the ministry. We're all called to be ministers of the Word. Not, not pastors, but ministers. And 12. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Twelve. Oh, that's Galatians. Oh, Galatians. Yeah. that's right. It's <laughs> a good one. It's a good one. We go one more. One more book. Yep, now, 11 and 12. It added two, didn't it? Yes. I you said 11. <laughs> it multiplied because you missed. <laughs> and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So what is ministry simply put? is serving others in a Christ-like way. Serving others. Uh, Matt, will you read uh, Philippians 2, verses 25 through 30? Yes. All right. Uh, yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion, labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because he had heard that he had been sick. Indeed, he was sick, nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. <clears throat> I, am, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in reputation. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service. Okay, so explain that verse to me, Matt. What's going uh, on there? What's happening in that verse? Well, uh, the the Philippians wanted them, him to send Timothy to them, okay. but uh, he was unable to send Timothy, as he describes in verses 19 through 24, uh, but he sent them Epaphroditus. Okay. And basically he thought they were giving Epaphroditus the short end of the stick. And he details for them in these verses the sacrifice that Epaphroditus made to minister to them. And in so doing, um, he talks about how they should feel about him, how they should respect him. And, uh, yeah. So okay. So, so it's talking about service, the service that they should have been doing. And he closes it out with that last verse. And I thought this one here, when, you know, I thought this was a great part of the verse. Read it, that very last part of the verse there. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. To complete 
what was lacking in your service. What are we called to do? Serve. We're called to serve. And Paul is calling out this church here saying, listen, what you're lacking, this brother's doing. You know, but, but, but wait a minute, Paul. We, we, we tithe. We, we showed up at church on Sunday. What did Paul say? Your lack of service. So Paul is telling us that, you know, to be in the, in the church, you're, you're called to be ministers. You're to minister to one another like this young man was, like Timothy is. You know, they wanted Timothy and they, they got this guy, but this guy was a servant. They were to be excited about it. And Paul calls them out, puts them in the spot. You know what? I don't want Paul calling me out and putting me in the spot. You know, we have that, you know, for the lack of service, this is done by working to meet the physical, spiritual, and emotional needs for those around you in the church so that Christ will be glorified. When we do these things, when we serve one another, when we take care of each other, when we're down and out and we're encouraged, we encourage one another, that is demonstrating who Christ is. What did Christ do? He came to lift us up. So when we see this, we, we can understand the, the importance of this scripture here. Coloss uh, Anita, would you look at Colossians 1, 1 through 14? We're talking now about ministry now. <clears throat> You got Colossians 1. I, that's what I'm reading. I'm trying to speak it. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Paul, uh, can you get it, Matt? Yeah, I, I got it. Okay. Right. Yeah. You want me to read it? Yeah. Right. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ with our quasi, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this uh, you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it, and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love and spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with you, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. 
Okay, so in all that, the verse, those 14 verses in this letter, it shows full of love and concern that is written to the church, right? It shows love and concern. Paul has love and concern for this church. Paul has a desire to see this church grow. Paul has a, a, a heart for this church. Well, you know, Paul never went to that church. Paul had never met these people in this church. All he had was just what had been told to him about these people. But he was what? What was he just demonstrating? What was he demonstrating there by writing this letter to them? Love, caring, and everything. Even though he didn't know them. You know, and what? Encouragement. Encouragement. He was, he was caring for these people. Uh, you know, so you don't have to know everybody to love them in your church. You don't have to know them to, to hold them up. So it's important for us to understand that. Paul suffered for their sakes in many cases. Now I, I rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up my flesh that is lacking in the affection of Christ for the sake of the body, which is the church. Paul was willing to sacrifice everything for the church as a church member. He was a part of it. So uh, now in Colossians 1, 25 and 26, Paul is a servant of the church, revealing the mysteries of God that was once hidden, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the words of God the mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from the generation, but now has been revealed to His saints. So being a part of the ministry is loving, caring, encouraging. What's some other uh, words we could use to talk about building up the church? Love, caring, and what's another? Encouragement. What else? What else could we say about being a member of a church to do for one another to help them? You can encourage them. You can love them. Edify. Edify them. What's another one? What, what, what's some words that we could use to encourage? You know, just simple words. Huh? Serve them. Absolutely. Humble to them and be a servant to them. These are words that we could use. This is something we can do to encourage as members of the body. You know, there's, I, I want you to know right now, there's going to be a lot of negative things you're going to see within the body of the church. And if you focus on them things, that's what we will receive. But if we take away those negative things and say, I don't want them, all I want, you know, and yes, there is going to be things that we have to discuss, but there has to be an order of it. But I want you to know on a day-to-day -day basis, it should be words of encouragement, should be words of love, words of concern, words of edification, words of serving. All this is what we have to do as a church. As a member of the church, this is where we are. So let's look at missionary. Missionaries, go out and bring the gospel to the community as fulfillment. As the fulfillment of the great commissional call. Your members do this in a variety of ways. And here are a few. Number one, inviting people to come to small group Bible studies and church worship service. Wow. Number one, inviting others to come. Small group Bible studies, which would be like if we had Sunday school. You know what? Even, even inviting them to come to movie night. Inviting them to come and be a part. You know, you could probably get more people to come to non-basical 
entertain, not inter, I don't want to use the word entertainment because I don't want to ever use anything for entertainment. I want to use it to, to, to meet people and to fellowship with people and to talk to people. That's what we as the body needs to do. Now, if they want to think of it as entertainment, that's entirely up to them. But our objective is to love them, share with them, connect with them, that we can maybe draw them into the church. This is our missionary field right outside of these doors here. This is where we need to go to discover who we are. So number one, invite people to come. You know, uh, and according to the, the Baptist uh, strategist and everything, they say that the, the, the easiest way to build a church is to invite your friends, invite your family, invite your coworkers. Invite someone to come with you. So if every one of us in here chose one, one person, just one person a year, right in here. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 people. If we were to ask one person and got them to come to church, we would we'd fill that side up. <laughs> or get close to it. Invite one person. That's all it takes. All we need is one. Invite one person. The second thing is engage in ongoing personal evangelism as a way of life. Engage in, engage in evangelism. It's important that we share our story. Our story, guys, your personal story. What better way? Something that you have right inside of you. All you got to do is develop it and share it. Develop it, practice it, and share it. You know, your own personal story, that's evangelism, going out telling. You know, it's great that we'll go out and hand out flyers, and we want you to be a part of that too. We could go hand out flyers. We could, we could make phone calls. We could do all those things. But your personal program, not the corporate program, your personal program is how we need to do. Engage in personal evangelism. Participate in outreaches through the church volunteer program. That's passing out flyers, being a part of, uh, of outreach. Be it, you know, when people visit the church, Man, if they're a stranger in our church, man, you should be up there talking to them. You know, you know, and yeah, it's good to sit down and get your spot. By the way, guys, there's none of these seats in here have your name on it, okay? So <laughs> somebody sits there, that's okay. Nobody gets their name with a seat on it. You won't believe this here. My church, uh, my, the, the church I got saved in, my grandmother, my grandmother had her name on the end of the plaque there. And you didn't sit in my grandmother's seat. That's her bench, the cone bench. And she had that, that. Nobody got on her. And if you got in there, she'd tell you about it. Guys, we don't have that today. Yes, we do. When we first came here, there was this lady that that was her seat. And it didn't matter who it was. If it was a visitor, she'd go, you're in my seat. Give it up. <laughs> Uh, and, and we have that, you know. Yes. People, people think it's their place, you know. It's not. We, and you know, when visitors come into the church, we got to make them feel welcome. Yeah. They can't sit by themselves. We got to get around them, and you know, just come and sit down beside. When you walk in the door, and you look and say, "See a visitor over there." Normally, you sit over here. If you see a visitor over here, you know, you say, "Hey, we got a new person. Let me go over there and just take your about." Hey, how you doing? Meet and greet them. That's evangelism. That's outreach. That's missionary work. You know, just because we think missionary is out in the uh, field doesn't mean that's true. Missionary work is right here in the church. We can meet this missionary group right here. Yes, Matt, I'm hot too. And it's down to 70. I put it at 73. <laughs> All right. 
participate. While this is not all exclusive list, it is enough to remind us of who we are to focus on the church, God and the needs around us, the great Commission, Matthew 28, takes for granted the goodness of God in this uh, Christian life. So such we try upon, we, we rely upon Jesus to take care of our needs as He uses us to meet the needs of those around us. How? Becoming a member. And can officially become a member of FBC, FBCC through three ways. You can become a member of this church through three ways. Transferring your membership from another Baptist church that means if you if you were a member of Longwood Baptist Church and you wanted to be a member of this one, you could just say, look, Pastor, I want to transfer my letter from there to here, and you become a member of this church. If you, uh, you could do it by profession of faith, by coming at invitation time and standing in front of the church and saying, Pastor, I want to become a member of First Baptist Castleberry because I have been baptized by profession of faith. I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And getting baptized at FBCC... Getting baptized is important. I believe it's one of the most important things. And I want to hand out this uh, little pamphlet for you. Thank you. Let's look over it. Baptism is by immersion. So to become a member of the, the church, you need to be baptized. Now, like I said, if you've been baptized at another church, uh, you know, we only baptize one time. That's it. Uh, it, goes, it. You know, once you get baptized, as long as it's by immersion, we follow these steps in baptism. You know, first, uh, go ye there forth. Uh, Matthew 28, 19. Obedience, love, and joy. These are the basic motives for being baptized. And it goes down through there and lists those things for you. So take this thing and look it over carefully and study it a little bit. The method of baptism is, we, we, I believe the way it is, is the, the symbols of Jesus. You stand in life, you're buried into the water, and you are resurrected up into new life. That's baptism. By immersion. There is no other way to be baptized except by immersion. Jesus was baptized by immersion. So this is something for you to take home with you. Uh, study it. Look it over. Think about it. If you haven't been baptized, please let us know. We would love to baptize you if you've never been baptized in the church. Now, one thing on membership that I didn't kind of go over very quickly, our church bylaws require, you know, if you are a member of this church and you're 16 years of age, you can, hold a, you can vote within the church, but if you're not 16, then you're in what we call a holding pattern. When you turn 16, huh? watch care. And then once you come into 16, you can become a voting member of the church. And your vote counts. So it's important to, to know those things. So no matter which way you come in, all members are baptized believers in Jesus Christ who are affirmed through a vote by the existing church body at one of our scheduled meetings. Now also, new members class is required of all new members. And at the end of the class, you will get a certificate stating that you are a member of this church. 
but still the church has to vote on you at the next business meeting. So always remember, the church will be voting on you at the next business meeting. Yes, Ted? What's the Huh? Okay. So, okay, someone comes into the church. Okay. They ask to be baptized. A ask to be what? Baptized. Okay, happens to be Baptist. Asked to, be, to baptized. be baptized. Oh, asked to be baptized, okay. Um, and, they, and they want to join the church. What if a member of the church does not feel that they should be both in? What happens? We shoot them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, no, no. There again. Depends. We vote on which one to shoot. What? It, 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 and, and that's possible. That is possible. That someone says, "No, I don't agree with that." Now, if that, then that's why it's done in a business meeting. We, we'll bring it to order and we'll discuss that point if that person is eligible. Now, there is nothing that we can keep someone from being baptized into Christ. I want you to understand that. Okay, you can still be baptized into Christ. Okay, but to be a member of this church, you're at the same time you be baptized into the membership of this church. That's a totally different thing. Okay, there's people that are that are that that are baptized and they're not a member of the church, but they've been baptized. Okay. They belong to Christ. And but what we're looking at is membership to the church. But yes, if somebody votes no, then it's discussed. And if it's a legitimate reason for disapproval, but then again, you got to understand. It's a majority wins. I mean, it's the way we, we vote. Uh, you know, if if they if one person stands up and everybody else says yay, and, and everybody else and one person says no, it's, it carries, and you're a member of the church. Anita. Um, that's a really good question, but I have never ever seen anybody turn down. <laughs> they won't but. be. I've never. I've been in it 25 years, and I've never seen nobody turn down. Well, the reason I say that is because Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Exactly. That's why we have to have, that's why, it, that's one of the reasons we're doing this class. They have to go through this class, okay, before they can ever come to be a, a member of the church. But are we, yeah. as a body, allowed to still vote if, if the church is, if basically, I mean, I know the government doesn't vote the church, but. Is that is that the way that we keep people that are trying, quote unquote, trying to game the system? Possibly, yes. Go ahead, Anita. Well, that's what I was going to say. With the new Equality Act, that if a homosexual person wants to come in here and ask for membership, um, According to our Constitution, that would not happen. But with the Equality Act, that overrides any Constitution or anything that the church has. So it would be up to the membership to accept that person or not. And in doing that, you're going to have to stand up for God or you're going to have to stand up for the other person. Because we know that's wrong. So it's going to come to that into the church, and we better be ready for it. Yeah, but I mean, if but if that person is is says that they're repenting of that, that's totally different. Right? They'll be in watch care. Right. We'll we'll work with them. But if it's if it's true repentance, of 
force, which never turned anybody away. Right. But we've had it. I mean, this church has had it many, many times. A group of people will come in and join the church, and then they have a different agenda, and then they run the pastor off and do their own thing. That happens a lot. In, not just this church, in every church. In all churches. So it's, it's very easy to do, but we're not going to allow that because we're going to, we're, the Word of God is our standard. That's who we follow. And so we'll place it. But you're absolutely correct, Ted. There, there's a lot of things coming up that we have got to address, in, not only in this church, but in the church nationwide. We've got to look at because if this Equality Act gets passed, then we're going to have some very hard, uh, very difficult problems ahead of us. Uh, as far as who we are in Christ. Uh, but my, my judgment is this. I'd rather close the doors and, and, and burn the building down than to break the law of God. So that's what we have to go. What, how far would we be willing to go and say, oh, well, you know, let's just do this one here. They're going to cause so much... No, this is what it is. And we're just not going to do it whether they take everything or not. You know, we can't, we can't uh, go against God's Word. So it's important for us to know how far will we go in that situation. And they're going to press the church. They are. They're, they're already telling us they're going to do it. So it's going to happen. What we need to be doing is putting everything in place that it can't happen. Or we can at least protect ourselves during this process. All right, let's close in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your time today. And we thank you for your opportunity to serve you. Now, as we go into this service today, Lord, we ask you to watch over us, protect us, lead God, and direct us in everything that we do, that we may glorify and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, work on y'all's testimony now. I want y'all to...